What's up, guys? It's Cooper Webb, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. Back for another week of the Moto Xbox show this week. It's episode 155. Great show with Hunter Lawrence, Greg Schnell, Carter Halpane, and Kieran Thurman coming on. And uh, a couple special guests in the studio. we got DJ TJ back. What's up, TJ? What's up, man? What's up, everybody? Running the cameras. And my beautiful stepdaughter, who typically is on YouTube making fun of me, Marley, is in studio. Hello. Hello, hello. I, I think it's awesome she's in here. All right, I want to thank our title sponsor, Torque One Racing, which is providing high-quality, economical performance parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, and more. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, support our other sponsors such as Shock Socks, All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, Williams Moto Works, Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors, Acherbys, and X-Brand Goggles. Still giving away that set of youth kinetic mesh gear. Uh, we're going to do that next Tuesday. Uh, all you had to do is send an email and tell us why your kid deserves it. Moto X Pod Show, or, or what is it? I don't even remember. The, Moto X Pod Show at gmail.com, right, TJ? Uh, yes, sir. You think? Probably, maybe. Yeah, I'm dealing with this stuff. Go what ahead. What you got going on? We, we good? Yeah, we're good. You, we're recording. Okay, well, we're going to, um, we've got a pretty full show. We're going to do our Daytona recap here in just a moment. We're going to have to pause the show on the, on the I guess, on the live or the, archives to get Kellen Brower from Racer X on. So you guys hang tight. We'll get him on. We'll talk about the Tona and then we'll get into all our guests. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back and on the line with me from Racer X magazine and the man that we have to say thank you to for getting the Moto X pod show in Racer X's racer head column, Kellen Brower. What's up, dude? <laughs> Not much dark side. You don't need to thank me for that. I mean, it's part of my job. I got to get the information out to the people, dude. Well, I appreciate that, though. You know, in the past, it hasn't been. Uh, it's been a little more difficult because you know we're not the, we're not at the top tier of podcasting as of yet. We still have to take Steve Mathis down, um, but but we're working on that. You know, with me doing the wrap up show, working on in the internal aspect of the show. That's the whole goal is to take him down from the inside. There you go. It's like Mark. He's taking, you guys are taking him down together. Yeah. Well, and I hear you're going to be in studio uh, next week. Yeah, uh, hopefully that's the plan. I, I don't know. Steve keeps changing his mind on me all the time, so we'll see. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk a little Daytona. Um, 50th anniversary of the Daytona race. They made a big deal out of that. Uh, you know, they're, the, the track's obviously a little bit of a hybrid, in my opinion, of between motocross and supercross. It's changed many times throughout the year. What do you think of the, the, the race overall? I think the races were not too bad, but I think it's more or less because you had maybe the fastest rider on the track in both races chasing the leader. True. So it made it a little bit more interesting to watch. But, yeah, I didn't really love the track design that much. What I've never loved about Ricky's designs is it seems like every straightaway ends in, like, a switchback, which <laughs> right. is not the best for racing because it always means someone's going to end up on, like, the preferred line, inside, outside, whatever, so you can always block the main line. But the racing was good just because, yeah, like, the leader's, or maybe not the fastest guys on the track, and it made it interesting down the stretch. 
Yeah, it, it turned out better than I think a lot of us expected. Um, let's get to the actual racing. So the first thing I want to touch on is in the 250 heat races, um, lots of carnage, obviously, in those whoops. Uh, different track builders for Daytona, maybe not quite as experienced with, uh, well, obviously not as experienced with what the guys at, at Dirtworks do. Uh, I think they had a lot to do with that, you know, trying to fix the track in between the practice sessions and the heat races and didn't get the whoops quite right. No sight lap. And uh, we had some, some big crashes. Yeah, it was brutal. And I think, I think the biggest problem is, is for some reason they were built almost as big as maybe when they started the day. I've never seen that happen. Normally when you fix the whoops after practice, you knock them down more because obviously you're taking more dirt off the top. So somehow they were rebuilt, and they were almost, or if not just as big as when they started. And, and like you saw, nobody expected it. They just sent it in first lap thinking, oh, they must be beat down, and, and it was absolute carnage. It was. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately some guys like Nick Gaines, you know, kind of had some pretty some significant injuries that are maybe going to keep him out a little while. It's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, you think you see anything changing with that? I, I think that they have to step back and take a look at the system and, and who's in place for that race at Daytona and maybe fix that because the, I mean, I really, you just can't have that happen at this level of a sport. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I saw actually my buddy Jerry Robin posting on Instagram just before I got on the phone with you here and he was very upset about, you know, that, that whole track dynamic and the way that the whoops are built. And he thought that was kind of unfair and he brought up a good point is like, why don't they get a sight lap before the heat races anyway? I mean, a lot of that time is commercial break for TV, TV anyway. So just get them on the gate, let them go do a quick little three minute sight lap before the heat. So at least they can see it, at least for the first heat or first couple of heats of the night so that they get a little better understanding of it. But as for like Daytona themselves, yeah, I don't know what they're going to have to change about that. It's interesting because. You know, with Monster taking over as, as the title sponsor of that event, you would think that they'd actually, you know, have more Feld or Dirtworks or any of those guys involved, but it doesn't seem to be the case. So I, I'm not sure why or who was involved with the decision-making with building the whoops like that, but definitely something that, that needs to be changed, in my opinion. Yeah, I do too. Um, we won't know what's going to happen until next year. All right, let's get into the main events. 250 main event. Uh, I mean, dude, Garrett Marchbanks. Pro Circus Garrett Marchbanks. First of all, he wins his heat, then he pulls the whole shot, takes off, leads the entire thing. Uh, I doubt anybody would have called that. Even Garrett himself probably would not have called that. Very impressive ride. Um, something that hopefully will, you know, they always say once you get one, they come easier. Hopefully that's something that he can, you know, take with him to the next round and build and maybe become a player. Yeah, that completely out of nowhere because, you know, I guess in some sense you can say he already has a podium, so he kind of knows what it feels like. But there was a mud race in San Diego; like it's not the exact ideal location for a podium that you'd expect. He came into the season a little bit better, I thought, but still, yeah, that was like completely out of left field. I don't feel like you see many guys that are that maybe not like close to a victory, then suddenly it all clicks for them that fast. I mean, you even saw it—the fact that he was only what the fourth ever light 250 125 whatever you want to call it class winner that won his first race ever at daytona like it just goes to show that daytona isn't a place that that even happens very often um so yeah completely out of left field i mean i had no idea where that one came from at all yeah i don't think anybody did i i certainly didn't think he would stay out front very long to be honest i thought he'd start making mistakes maybe succumb to the pressure of chase sexton being behind him 
But I mean, yeah, the, you would think he would get tired, right? Yeah, that too. Like, you know, being it, it, in that position for the first time, there's no way that he's not thinking in his head, "Oh my god, oh my god, I can win this thing! Oh my god, oh my god!" And then that pumped him up, you know? Right. And I think he said last night on Pulp that like the first five laps or so, he was a little nervous, and then he realized, mm-hmm. like, I got this, and that's that really says a lot, I think, about him and. He kind of mentioned that, like, oh, okay, I realize, you know, he he got the win at in the heat race. And he realized, oh, this is fun. I remember how good this feels, and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of his amateur days of the confidence, you know, that he had back then, maybe that kind of came up to the front of his uh, mind and got that thing figured out. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully he'll keep at least, you know, making a run for the podium. Right, it'll make the series a lot more interesting if he can be a contender suddenly. Yeah, and you have that high of March, March Banks winning for Pro Circuit, and then you have the low of Jordan Smith uh, yeah. doing some knee damage. I, I haven't heard any um, results of exactly what the deal is, but I think he ran it in there on McElrath pretty hard, probably a little irritated with McElrath, and then, unfortunately, we see what happens. Yeah, and... I was so confused watching that, too, because it didn't look like a hard fall, but then you realize when he got up what the problem was, you know, his knee getting twisted in there. But you're right. It was totally because McElrath slammed in the corner before, and then he went in just a little bit harder in the next turn, and it wasn't really that hard of a fall or anything, but we've seen it before where these guys, they just they stab their leg in a weird spot, and then the bike or whatever, their momentum follows them on top of that knee, it gets twisted weird, and, and unfortunately for his sake, yeah, it looks like it might be some knee damage that could uh, keep him out for a little bit. Yeah, it's been a rough a rough year for Jordan. Um, all right, so Chase Sexton, you know, seems to be the dominant guy, right? I mean, he's he's the guy I think most people feel is the championship leader. I mean, obviously he's the points leader, but the, the guy that everybody at this point expects to repeat. Uh, what, what are these other guys? What does McElrath and RJ have to do to get up there and maybe knock him down a step. What do you think? I think it's going to take starting in front of him by a few positions, not just, you know, their one, two. What we saw from McElrath winning Tampa was he got the whole shot, and but by the time Sexton could get to second, Shane was gone. So there was no chance to, you know, have a retaliation or come back from Sexton's side. I think that that's what they're going to need. I think Shane's going to have to rip a whole shot. Jeremy's going to have to rip a whole shot, and they're going to have to hope Sexton's five or further back because he's been so good and so methodical at working to the front. And then once he gets the free air, he's clearly the fastest rider on the track these last couple of weeks. So it's going to be really tough to knock that level down without getting a start while he doesn't. Yeah, I think that's going to be a difficult task. Um, Chase Chase is on a roll right now. He's very, very confident. And, you know, even the, the fact that he seems so – you know, I don't know if he was angry, but he was definitely not happy that Garrett won and that he was unable to catch Garrett. Uh, I think he, in his mindset, he, he he's winning this championship, and I think he feels like he should be the dominant guy. Yeah, I think that he wants to carry more or less as much momentum as he can into the 450 ranks, and if winning everything and dominating that class is what that takes, I think that that's where he wants to be. I think he doesn't want to play second fiddle to anybody and really prove that that 450 ride is deserved and that he's going to be good the second he moves up. So I can understand frustration wise, why he'd want to just lay the field on everybody, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, since we're having a few technical difficulties, let's move on to the four fifties. Um, you know, Eli, we, everybody knows he put on that beast mode race. Everybody, first of all, going in expected Eli to win, 
Uh, hell, he clearly expected to win. That you know, he knew that Daytona was his place. Uh, you know, he had the battle with Cooper for a while, who I thought put up a valiant fight, all things considered, from a couple weeks ago. But Eli, man, Eli made a statement. You know, I know it's Daytona and he's expected to win, but tracking Kenny down like that, who is a great, obviously one of the greatest riders ever, it was impressive. It was very impressive. And I think you're right that it was a statement because we were talking probably after, you know, Arlington when he wins the Triple Crown there that if he wins Atlanta, he wins Daytona, he's got a double-digit point lead, this thing might already be over. And then, obviously, the chaos that happened in Atlanta. And then to look like maybe Kenny was going to win again and have the points lead to himself after Daytona, it was starting to look a little dodgy there for Eli's sake to be like, man, this was going so well. And in the space of a couple weeks, it's flipped on its head a bit. But, yeah, that ride through the field was incredible. It's typical of Eli to, at the halfway point, it's like a, a switch flips in his head. He remembers who he is. He remembers how to ride or, or whatever you want to call it, and it's just on. And it, he was taking two or three seconds off Kenny's lap time in no time and found his way right up to the front. It was incredible ride for sure. Yeah, 11 minutes in, he was 9.23 seconds behind Kenny. And then just a few, like a minute later, he was 8.9 and then all of a sudden he was 4.59 behind and then, you know, you know, takes the lead. And I know that, you know, I've heard that Kenny was pretty positive with himself after the race. But I think, man, if I'm Ken Roxon and I got caught from, you know, almost 10 seconds behind, even at Daytona, I've got to be a little worried. I, I have to figure out, like, something, something's got to change. I can't, I can't let Eli keep beating me like this. And being that much faster because this championship could very quickly get out of hand. Oh, for sure. And I think that Kenny, the reason why I would think he's so happy is because he didn't really fade. He was actually pretty consistent most of the race. It's just that Eli found beast mode and clicked off laps that were incredible. But Kenny's speed was still pretty consistent most of the end of the race. And we saw that even by the fact that once Eli got him, it wasn't like he was gone 10 seconds, you know, Kenny right. stayed right with him and actually brought it down to the, to the line. So I can understand why he's happy, but I like, like you're <laughs> saying, I think it's also a big thing that Eli did track him down from that far back. Like it is pretty much a statement ride from his sense. And Kenny should be like, okay, we can't let that happen every week. If I'm, if I have this lead, I have got to win this race, you know? Absolutely. All right, so before we wrap this thing up, like I said, we got to get some technical things fixed before we get our next guest on. Um, what do you? Who wins Indianapolis? Who man? Four fifty. Yeah, it seems like it seems like Kenny's on a good in a good spot right now. That I think he could win Indy. Just Indy is a track that breaks down. It gets ruddy, gets technical quite often. And Eli likes to light things up and, and, you know, slide through corners and stuff like that. And when he can't do that in some circumstances, he's not the best. He's great in ruts, but he's not, I would say Kenny's maybe a little bit better on the technical side of that. So I'll say Kenny, just because his starts seem to be dialed lately, his late race speed is good. I think he'll get a big enough lead this week. It's tough to bet against Eli, but yeah, I'll, I'll go Kenny this week. Okay. I, I'm with you on that. I agree. Uh, and hopefully Blake Baggett can come back and do something Get some good uh, luck, that poor guy, man. I I feel bad for him because it's just nothing is going his way. No, not at all. All right, Kellen, uh, man, I appreciate you coming on. I apologize for the technical difficulties, and uh, next time we do this, we'll have it figured out, and we can do a little bit better job of a recap. 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me. Technical difficulties and all. It's always <laughs> fun to, to bench race motos, uh, motor racing and uh, just have a good time with it, man. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Talk to you soon, Kellen. See ya. Okay, all right. Bye. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. If you are listening to the archives, hopefully none of this really affected it. And if you're on YouTube, we're working on it. We'll be right back with Greg Schnell. What's up, guys? This is the 7 Juice Trade out of Entercam. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020... They are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbeastUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo sent you. Hey, Dad. Great race. Not sure how you could even see. Thanks, bud. Track conditions were pretty brutal. But thanks to my X-Brand goggles, I had hashtag clear vision all the way. X-Brand goggles has grown into the goggle choice of many of the top privateers, such as Ben LeMay, John Short, Alex Ray, Kyle Chisholm, as well as 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion Gary Sutherland. Hey, guys, this is Gary Sutherland, 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion, and I trust X-Brand. My name is Ben LeMay, and I choose X-Brand goggles. Hi, I'm Andy Kiefer, and whenever I want to be best dressed, I wear X-Brand goggles. Hey guys, this is Kyle Chisholm, and for almost a decade in my professional racing career, I've chosen X-Brand as my goggles. Now, X-Brand goggles is joining the Moto X Pod Show for 2020 with their EKS, S, and Flat Out Series goggles. Go to EKSBrand.com or email DarksideMX3 at AOL.com for pricing. What's up, guys? This is Alex motherfucking Ray. And if you don't use X-Brand, then you. All right. Our first guest of the night is brought to you by a Cherubis. For decades, a Cherubis has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. With products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last, a Cherubis has what you need. Visit acherubisusa.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and let Brian know that the Moto X-Pod show sent you. On the line with me, the world-famous legend of moto, Greg Schnell. What's up, Greg? Oh, not so much, man. How are y'all doing? Doing good, man. Like, super, super excited to finally get you on. Um, you know, I met you last year, right before you went in for one of the biggest fights of your life, which we are going to get to. But I have to tell you, man, it was a an honor and a pleasure to get a chance to meet you out there at Johnsonville. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I appreciate it. It was good to meet you, too. And, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, before we get to uh, what you've been you know, you've been dealing with, let's talk a little bit about your history, man. Um, rode for a number of teams, won a couple 125 Supercross races. Uh, you know what's what's the what do you remember about your career? You know, how do, when you look back on it, what do you take away from it? Man, it was a a lot of hard work, a lot of struggles. Um, you know, a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff, but. You know, it, it the racing in general teaches you a lot. You know, at least it taught me a lot about life um, and um, the struggles that you go through in life, and a lot of life lessons. Um, but uh, you know, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Got to travel the world, and and um, you know, kind of. So, I guess sometimes at the time you don't really appreciate what you got. Um, 
so to speak. But um, definitely, as I as now I look back and and uh, definitely appreciate all the help that I got along the way. Um, got to meet a bunch of great people. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really family oriented sport. You kind of at some times that you, especially at the at the pro level, you tend to forget about that. Sometimes it becomes a, a business, and but you know it. Um, I still keep in touch with a lot of people these days, and uh, you know, yeah, it's, it was a it was a great ride, that's for sure. Yeah, I was actually I went back and I was watching 2000 Vegas, the East West Shootout, um, yeah. which was pretty cool because I didn't realize that was the first time that there was ever a live Supercross. It was pay per view. You pulled the whole shot. Um, Travis Pastrana kind of did what he does and just was amazing. But, um, it, it just watch going back and watching that race reminded me of how awesome the 125s were and how much talent it takes to ride a two stroke in Supercross. Yeah, absolutely. Um, riding a two stroke in Supercross and Supercross or uh, outdoors. Either or, it, it's yeah. definitely a lot more difficult than riding the the newer bikes, the four strokes with electric start and <laughs> uh, and all that. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That that race that you're talking about in Vegas, it, <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting for sure. There was um, I just watched that a couple weeks ago, and looking back, and man, there was a lot of talent in that main event. Yeah, there so was. Much. So much. So I got to ask you, watching that race, like what to me, what seemed to hurt you the most was not doing that one big triple that you did a couple times, and then you didn't do it a lot of the other times. Um, was that? It's hard to tell from the TV footage the way it, it was shot, but was it just hard to get that thing timed just right because of the jump before it, or what was the situation with that particular jump? So there were a few things that that triple was really big. Yes, it was. Um, it, I mean, and you know, back in the day on the 125s, uh, it everything was super big. Sometimes they had triples out of a corner that were just so difficult. Sometimes you could do it, sometimes you couldn't. I think one of the things that hindered me at that particular race for that obstacle, that triple, was I was always a heavier guy on a 125. I was about 170 pounds, and the way that the transition was and coming up to it, it, you know, I was on a privateer bike at that time. So yeah. I was already down a couple horsepower to begin with. Um, you wouldn't notice that by me getting that whole shot. Though. <laughs> that was nasty. <laughs> that was awesome. It, it, that was a, yeah, that was the best start that I've ever had. And, and ironically, uh, my, uh, my, my good friend, Brandon Dunn, he, who works at Bill's Pipes, he is the one that went down to the starting lane starting line with me and packed the gate so he took all the credit for it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's what that's what i do for my son any yeah. good start he gets is because i went down there and packed the gate that's what it is yeah and, and a little backstory uh i got into a fight with my father he was my mechanic at the time and, and him and i got into a fight right before the main event so he's like you just have brandon go down to the starting line with you and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> that worked so, out it did yeah it did at that time it did yeah so I have a question for you. You bring up about the 125, and you were a bit heavy for it. How much what, do you? What are you saying, TJ? I said he said that. He said that. Not <laughs> me. I'm a bit heavy for a 450, so I can't say anything. But so, how different do you think the racing would be now? Like, like because the 250s are where the 252 strokes were back in the day. I mean, how how different do you think the racing would be now? And 
What's good and bad about the four strokes over the one twenty fives? Man, I you know, back in the day, like for myself, I was 170 pounds, which was really heavy for a one twenty five, but um obviously that hindered me. Um it, it, nowadays I don't see too many heavy guys on the two fifty Fs. I would I would kind of pick out maybe a Chase Sexton, even mm-hmm. though you know he's he's getting ready to be a four fifty guy, but you can kind of tell he's sometimes. I mean, this year he's gotten pretty good starts, but last year his starts were were not as good as they are this year. Um, but I I don't see that that many guys being heavy for the class. There may be one or two guys, but I would say he'd be one of them. Christian Craig is another one, but. He's been getting great starts uh, the first few rounds on the West Coast. So, right. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think back in the day, definitely Travis Pastrana was probably 170 pounds around my weight, but he was on a factory Suzuki, which definitely right. helped. Um, but, um, you know, there's a lot. It just seems like there's a lot more lighter guys these days than when I raced. Like Kevin Wyndham was a bigger guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, back even even back in the day, Ricky Johnson, he was a he was a bigger guy. We we had um, AC last year who you know overnight grew into a man and was big yeah. for the 250F. But he did you know, and he still obviously we saw what he did where he, he should have won a championship. But yeah, he was a little big for that 250F. Yeah, and you know nowadays with the bikes being so good, I don't know if it necessarily means as much as it did back. The right. Um, well, it, it, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I think it does matter, but just not as much. You know, the four strokes kind of they take they take away some of the talent. I think, in my opinion, maybe some of the weights and give a little bit to the rider. Oh that's yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is watching yeah. that race, and you go back and watch the old Supercross races. You know, the tracks were not as uh, I, I guess I'll use the term the cookie cutter term where. You know, you pretty much, it was just all perfect timing. You, you Now, you know most of the transitions are going to be like. They're all pretty similar. Back then, man, I mean, it, it was so much more, it seems like, I, I never rode at that level, so I shouldn't say, but it seems like there was a lot more skill involved because on a 125, you know, especially on a 125, if, if you missed a corner just a little bit or if somebody blocked past you, you couldn't make the triple or a particular obstacle a lot of the times where now you just straighten up, crack the throttle and you, you, you know, seat bounce over. And I like you said, I think it takes a lot of the skill out, um, which maybe makes for in one way makes for better racing. Cause everybody's a little more equal, but I don't know, man, I, I, I sure like seeing the mistakes play into the race. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree hundred percent, you know, back, Back then, and then in the two-stroke days, uh, whether you're on a 125 or 250 two-stroke, it if you made a, a mistake um, out of a corner, and there was a you know a three-five-three or something, you had to seat bounce it. It was going to be difficult, especially on a 125. But either or, yeah. And, and that's what that's what made you know watching someone like James Stewart so impressive. I mean, I you would watch him on a 125, and you're just like, how do you do that? You know, it was it was that crazy inhuman almost um, yeah i mean i remember i don't remember what year it was it may have been oh five or a six no it had have been before that um when he still was on a 125 and he was doing just this crazy rhythm section off the start that he 
he'd do almost every lap, and then you would get someone like Ricky or Chad, and they they just they would do it, but they would kind of mess it up at the very end of the section. They go off the track or whatever. Right. But, yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but it was you know that's his skill level. It was almost like he was riding the fork stroke, so to speak. I mean, he he was just unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, but yeah, we, he's in a category all his own. Uh, I mean, you did. You were a very impressive rider. Had really great results throughout your career. Obviously, the win at San Diego and the win at Dallas are probably those highlights. But as I kind of asked you in the beginning, what what's the what's your favorite moment in your career? Is it one of the wins or is it something else? Um, I would say. I mean, obviously, the wins really. Um really are my highlights and anyone else's highlights for that matter. But right. it, it's just personifies, you know, all the hard work that an individual goes through. And it's just, it's not only um, that individual, but I mean, there's a team, you got sponsors. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work. And um, I, I would say that the best race that I ever had wasn't even a win. It was a second place behind James Stewart at Washougal in 2004. That was um, the best ride. That was the best ride that I've, that I think that I've ever had. Um, That's a tricky uh, track, you know, too. It's a real tricky track, but I just remember uh, it was a second moto, and I, I finished second, but I was, you know, within eight seconds or so of James, but I just remember being so focused, and the race went by so quick. Mm. And um, even though it wasn't a win, you know, I mean, that, that was by far the best that I ever ridden a dirt bike, for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, that that had to feel that at the end of that day, you probably went home and just like, wow, how can I bottle that every week? Yeah, it, that, and that's the difficult thing is trying that. How do you bottle that every yeah. week? Yeah, you know, like I, I was scratching my head after the race, going, how how does James <laughs> go so fast? <laughs> hey, every time I go ride, I ask that question of whoever else is on the track because they're always faster. <laughs> I'm like. I don't understand. I don't understand like how they, you know, anyway, the funny thing is I'm, I'm getting off subject, but when I go back and watch like the GoPros of me riding, I'm like, why am I on the brakes so quick? Why didn't I get on the, the you know, gas sooner? He was asking me that this weekend we pulled off the track and he's like, man, how are you going so fast? Right? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't understand how you guys at your level do what you do. Cause it's just, it, it seems superhuman to me. Um, Hey, before we move on though, I want to ask you, um, we're going to go back and dwell a little bit. You had a chance at one point to ride for pro circuit or, uh, Suzuki with Roger, you know, you turn yeah. those down to stay with a uh, motorsport, I believe. Um, you know, and I know you, you can't really go back and go, Oh, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd done that. But at the time, what was your reasoning to, uh, turn those two teams down? Well, I had multiple opportunities to ride for Mitch, but, um, you know, two of those were feeling rides, and when you when you go to a feeling ride, it's it's kind of difficult to to manage everything. Just because you know, when I when I do a deal with a sponsor uh, team or whatever, I you know I want to kind of stick with that. Um, and you know, there were certain people counting on me to to do you know to ride for them or whatever, and I wanted to stick to my guns. You know, that was kind of one of the things. The one the one opportunity that I that I really had with Mitch was uh, to ride for 2001 with him mm -hmm. um, after my 2000 season. And it just, you know, I love Mitch. I mean, I respect Mitch, you know, just like I respect Roger. And um, he just, you know, he just didn't offer me what I was 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's one thing that kind of sucks about the sport is you get teams that offer hardly little to nothing. Um, and at that time, you know, in my mind and, you know, my family's mind, we, we earned it. You know, I almost won a title, and if it wasn't for a couple of things here or there, I would have won a title as a privateer, and that's unheard of. Absolutely. And for for someone to offer you so little, uh, you know, bonuses and stuff are good, but, you know, what if you sign in with the team and you go to the first uh, training session or testing session, then the chain breaks and you, you're, you you know, you get hurt and you can't ride the rest of the year. What does that do for you? So, you know, there's a lot of certain things that, you know, came into play, Um you know, what the going rate was and all that. But I definitely wanted to ride for him. It just, I'm the type of person that, if, you know, if it's not going to make sense, you know, future-wise, I'm just not going to do it. But it, I wish I would have rode for for Roger. You know, that would have been a good deal. Right. For sure. Uh, Factory Suzuki, I would have been teammates with Pastrana and um, uh, Wyndham. And that was a team back then. Uh, that was like a that, powerhouse yeah, team. That was a good 01. team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would have been amazing to to race with those guys and be teammates with them. But you know, I mean, you can second guess things. And, right. Um, you know, I was the main reason why I didn't was I was comfortable where I was, and I and I had I had what I needed. And you know, money isn't everything, but it it definitely helps, right? Sure. It helps make you make certain decisions, and you know, the money would have been good at Suzuki. Um, I would have had opportunity there. I would have had opportunity at Mitch's too, you know, maybe not without the money, but, uh, I was, I was happy where I was and, and the contract that I had, it was okay. And, you know, I really liked the Yamaha at the time and I didn't really want to switch. I wanted, you know, I, I liked my setup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's pretty much why I stayed where I was. Oh, one, oh, one, the YZ wasn't a slouch of a bike. Like it wasn't nope. behind. I don't know the, the Suzuki, the factory Suzuki was a really fast bike, and Mitch always puts it together. But the Yamaha 01 had a really good bike. Yeah, and, and you know the team that we had, my bike. I was in 2001. I was getting some good Yamaha parts. In 2000, I was not. I was on a full privateer. Mitch was giving me some good stuff. Um, you know, some good pipes, carbon fiber stuff. Him and I had. Some you know, Mitch likes to make deals, and I in 2000 I would make some deals with him. Be like, hey, you know, if I get on, if I get on the box, if I get a podium, could you make a carbon fiber silencer? And he would say, yeah. And so I'd go get second or third. And he, the next race, I'd have a carbon fiber silencer. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, and that's how Mitch is. You know, he's as long as he sees you're doing the work, you know, he would definitely help you out like that. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I. You know, also the, the, the Yamaha YZ250F was coming out, and um, that was literally, I really wanted to ride that bike. So um, that was the first four-stroke in the 125 class, and I really wanted to ride one. So that was another reason for me to stay. Yeah, it, was, yeah. It, I knew, it sounds like you yeah, had I knew your it, reasons, and they were good. there were good reasons for you. Yeah, there were good reasons for me. I mean, was it the smartest? Probably. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. probably not. It wasn't the smartest decision, but you know, it's not like I said. Sometimes it's not about the money. Sure. Um, it's sure. Just, as long as I was getting something that was reasonable, I was happy. All right. Well, Greg, let's yeah. uh, let's move on uh, to you know some real world things, right? I, I mean, you have your career, you 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 retire, you go into the real world, and man, 2019 
you know, life slaps you in the face, man. I mean, you, you, you got come into your biggest fight of your life with, uh, being diagnosed with cancer. Um, you know, what was, what led up to that? And what was that like? I mean, it had to be a very life changing moment. I can't even imagine what that would feel like, but what, what was going on in your head? Man, it was, uh, kind of at first it was just like, why me? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm healthy and, uh, you know, I, I, when I was diagnosed with cancer, August 16th, leading up to that point, I felt fine. Um, all the tests were negative, and the only thing that I had was a swollen lymph node in, on the left side of my neck. And it took, it took a few months to find the cancer and, and all that, but it was, you know, it's life-changing. I have a different perspective on life now, and... You know, it was definitely a struggle. I still struggle. Um, every time that I eat, my uh, I had uh, cancer on the base of my tongue. So it spread to my lymph node. They took that out. And, um, you know, it's a life-changing thing. Um, you know, I chewed for many, many years, chewed tobacco, mm. and, you know, drank when I was younger and, and all that. But, you know, there's it's just uh, definitely life-changing for sure. And, you know, we just... We fight every single day. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, like I said, I met you right before you went in for your first chemotherapy and followed you on social media as you would post things about this. And, you know, from the outside, you you seem to be pretty open about the struggles of chemo, but you always seem to be, you know, at least on social media, very positive, like looking, knowing that things were going to turn out okay and you were going to fight and, you know, you were going to get back on a motorcycle and enjoy life. Um, you know, what... I, there had to be some dark moments, though, but talk about was, how difficult was it to stay positive and, you know, not continue that why me attitude? Yeah, that was, you know, like I said, that was my original thought. And then, you know, going, starting cancer treatment through radiation and chemo, it, um, I never once did I think that I was in a position that I was going to die. I never felt like that, even though that's the position I was in. I never once have thought that, even to this day. Um, I just, you know, I try to stay positive and, and going through the treatment, you know, they, the doctors, they tell you one thing and you can kind of see, I have three doctors. I have a head and neck doctor, um, and two oncologists, radiation, chemo, mm-hmm. and my, my head and neck doctor, Dr. Eunice, he, I can see the fear in his eyes, you know, when he, when he diagnosed me, I could see it. He, he didn't really want to scare me, but I could see it. Wow. And it's it's kind of a it's really hard to explain when you're in that moment and in that position. Um, the only thing that I know how to do is fight. You know, just being a racer and going through all of those lessons. I just that's the first thing that that comes to me, and and that's that's what I did. And yeah, it was a struggle going through the radiation. It um, I'm sure you saw a few posts on there with it burning my neck. Yeah, that was terrible. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, my it, it, that only lasted for a few weeks, and you know, yeah, the skin was coming off, but that that wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it is actually inside my throat, and I still struggle with it. Uh, you know, eating, I I still I'm about 162 pounds right now, and when I saw you at Johnsonville, it's about 190. So it's you know, I'm, I'm still it's not for lack of effort trying to gain weight. It's you know. I still can't eat 
uh, like I did. I can't eat a lot of meat, stuff like that. And I, I've changed my diet quite a bit, but, um, yeah, it's still a struggle. It's definitely depressing. You know, I'll be eating, and it's yeah, I can only eat so much food, and then my throat hurts so much that I have to stop. Or, <sighs> you know, I can't. I just can't eat anymore. Physically can't eat anymore. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it sounds terrible, but the, it seems like you're much healthier, though. So, it, the work, you know, uh, what's I guess it could be a lot worse. Obviously, is what I'm going to say. And you still seem to be very positive. Uh, I see on social media you've been traveling with your girlfriend, um, and you know, enjoying life and still living life to the fullest. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one thing. As soon as I was man, for a month, I couldn't eat anything, no food, nothing. And the doctors, they wanted to give me a feeding tube. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I, I know I didn't want that because one of the risks uh, for getting the feeding tube was um, if I, if I didn't physically eat the food through my mouth, that there's a small chance of me losing that swallow mechanism. Mm. And as soon as the doctor told me that, I'm like, no, forget that. I'll lose 50 pounds before I do that. <laughs> Yuck, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and they're, they're like, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, absolutely. I mean, even if there's a half a percent of me losing that swallow mechanism for the rest of my life, like, no. Nah. No, thank and you. Yeah, so so I didn't eat a single piece of food for one month. It was four weeks, Jeez. man. And that's when I lost all my all my weight, obviously, my, my muscle and everything. And it was it was bad. It was bad. But, you know, I tried to live. You know, you just mentioned my girlfriend, Beth. She, she's been amazing. She's been here every step of the way. And, and uh, we, yeah, we've been traveling all over, man. We, we went to uh, San Antonio over the weekend and um, been there a couple times, went there over New Year's, too. And, nice. Uh, just trying to enjoy life, man, trying, because you never know. I mean, after all this, shit, man, you never know when the last day is going to be. You're so, right. Well, that brings yeah. me to a question that one of our listeners, Hal Simpson, on YouTube asking, um, didn't know if you were going to consider doing like the old man or the, the vet classes at Loretta's or the vet nationals or any of that kind of stuff. Man, I, I, I definitely plan on riding and racing locally again. Um, I was actually working on my bike today for the first time in a little while. <laughs> so, uh, I'll probably end up going right here in a couple of days, but I don't know, man. I, I really wanted to do Loretta Lynn's. Um, but it was kind of one thing on my list. I'm not sure that that is on my list anymore, even though I haven't gone and won a title there. I, I kind of want to do maybe a few other things I really enjoy. You know, the Supercross Futures races, like if I can, if I can do some of those, you know, obviously Daytona was yeah. this past week. And I, I really like being in that environment inside a stadium on a Supercross track, even though it's not full blown. Um, I tend to have a good time doing that. Well, how old, how old are you now? I'm 44. Well, that's unfortunate because you can't go to Loretta's until I make it. I don't need somebody else in front of me in <laughs> in, in our region. Because <laughs> yeah. I, as yeah. of right now, I'm only 41, so I've got a race in the same class with um, all like Gruy and Barry yep. Karsten and all those guys get in there. It, it's it's actually yeah. quite terrible. So I don't I'm need you in Loretta. there. Too, I'm not so. even like. <laughs> not even going to pretend that I'm going to try to. Oh, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. 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 But, well, yeah. Talking about those guys, I just saw Daytona Guru was down there. He was doing his thing. And yeah. Carson, Tony LaRusso. I mean, those guys still go good, man. I, You know, I raced Guru last year at the 
at the Daytona uh, uh, RCSX, and man, he was giving me fits down there. You know, he's. <laughs> I think he's 50, 51 years old, but he's in such great shape. I, I think he's gotten faster over the last three years. I don't know, because Barry was handling him pretty good, Karsten was, and then uh-huh. I don't know if he's just quit his job and just full on. Cause, <laughs> Training. I mean, that dude has stepped up the game. I mean, he's taking money out of Karsten's pocket, because you Uh-oh. know Karsten basically makes about a million dollars a year on Suzuki contingency. So, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah, they... They go good, man, and and they battle, they battled out like the good old yeah. days, and uh, so yeah, I, I you know I'd like to I'd like to do it. It's not kind, of, it's not a uh, priority for me right now. Uh, the the main thing for me right now is still gaining my weight back and getting healthy. I still have to go back once a month to get checked, and I'm I'm still not out of the woods yet uh, as far as the cancer thing. So I still have to go get checked once a month, and um. You know, I, I definitely don't want to get hurt at this moment. So I'm going to take it easy. You know, my immune system's still down from all the chemo and all that stuff. So I still, I want to go have fun, live my life. Um, but, you know, when you go to Loretta's, like, I want to go win a title. That would be that would be my thing. And I know that I can't do that right now. So if, if there's a time that I can get healthy and the cancer's fully gone, we know it's gone, and I can, you know, push the limit. Because, I mean, look at Mike Brown. He... That Jeez. guy, man, he's, Brownie's like, gnarly. Guys are, he's the energizer bunny. He still goes super fast, and to ride to ride that pace, I mean, you're going to have to push it, you know. Yeah, and he so still takes he still acts as serious on the track as he probably did when he was, you know, going for a 125 national championship. That dude, I watched him take out Chris Kiefer at Glen Helen, you know, a few months ago at the Vet Nationals, yep. and for nothing. Like he just yep. he he had to pass Chris on that first lap, come hell yep. or high water, and it was pretty funny actually. I mean, Chris was pretty hot about it for a little bit, but uh, yeah, Brownie's gnarly. Yeah, you know he stole he stole the same old Brownie. Yeah, you, know? you gotta you gotta watch your back when you're racing with him. And I, it's it's funny. I I was supposed to be out there racing that race. Uh, we had a great a great team for that. Um, the Vet Nations. Uh, we had Grant. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I was going to be the 40, and Dubok was going to be the 50 guy. Yep. Obviously, I was going through treatment at that time, so I didn't. We weren't able to do it. So uh, that would be another race that I would like to do, and and uh, you know, represent the country. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be. Yeah, I forgot that we we talked about that out there, and, and yep. yeah, and, and I think Josh Grant had something come up too, so it just sort of didn't work out all the way around. But maybe yep. next year. Um, hey, Greg, we're going to wrap this thing up tonight, but I want to get you back on and talk more about your career down the road sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, and, yeah, thanks for talking with me. Huh? Absolutely, dude, and uh, hopefully I'll see you out at Johnsonville, or uh, I don't know if you're going to make the Aaron Smith ride day at Oak Hill at the end of the month, um, but I'm sure I'll see you around at a local track. Yeah, man, absolutely. I uh, I was thinking about heading out to Johnsonville. Is it this weekend they got a most photo master? Yep, the first ra- round one is this weekend. That is correct. Or maybe it's next weekend. I know I'm on call the next two weekends, so I know I can't go, but I think it is this weekend, though. And Athens, yeah, M- I- Athens MX is open back up, too, so we got a good place to ride that's yeah. not 500 miles an hour. Right. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, okay. that was, that's yeah, a, that was a fun track. That's where we went Saturday, and it's – Pretty jumpy, but not super fast, and good good for old guys like myself and TJ. Anyway, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thanks again for having me on, guys, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's ride soon.
All right, Greg, take care, man. Thanks again. You're welcome. All right. All right, see ya. The legend Greg Snell. Um, dude, he's in good spirits, man. He was super excited when I texted him about coming on the show. Good dude. I'm really glad I got a chance to meet him last year. For sure. I didn't realize he was local. I don't know why I didn't realize that. But yeah, he moved realize. out this way. I mean, he started working the oil field, right. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. But, yeah, he's out this way and been making his rounds and kind of getting back into it. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Kieran Thurman. If you want power, then you need Williams Moto Works. Wait, wait what, what was that? It's the Supercross guy voice. No. No, it's not. Sounds more like a Hulk Hogan promo. Well, that's good and tough. I like that. Dude, we aren't making a redneck commercial for a professional company like Williams Moto Works. He designs camshafts, builds performance motors with CNC porting. So it needs to be tough and cool. A company who can reprogram ECUs, hire rev limits, and custom maps needs a professional commercial, dude. So, like... If you want complete power package from cams, portings, transmissions to ECUs, then contact Williams Moto Works at 414-467-6199 or follow them on Instagram at camdesigner or you can even email them at Williams Moto Works. That's Williams Moto and then W-E-R-X at gmail.com. Okay, that's better. Not good, but better. All right, we are back. Our next guest of the night is brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, which has grown into the choice goggle company for many of the top privateers like Ben LeMay, Jacob Hayes, and John Short. Check out xbrand.com or email me, darksidemx3 at aol.com, for pricing. Tonight, X-Brand Goggles brings us Team South, All South's Curran Thurman. What's up, Curran? Hey, Darkside. How's it going? It's going good, man. So I have been... Honestly, I've watched you ride many, many times at tracks, and I was not—I'll be honest—totally expecting you to make all these main events right off the bat in your really your first Supercross year. I'm very, very impressed with you. Oh, thank you, Darkside. So what? What? What's you know? I mean, what is what is gelling with you in Supercross? Like you're taking to it right away. Do you just love it, or you? I mean, have you been like practicing your whole life, and I just didn't know what's up with this. <laughs> Oh, man, I wish I'd been practicing my whole life, but, uh, uh, man, I honestly haven't. I started practicing, uh, around, I tried to start riding some Supercross around October, and, uh, I, I got a few weeks under my belt. My, I had a few bike issues for, like, a, a month or a month and a half, so I didn't ride for about that long on Supercross, and then, uh, you know, I was just, after I got a, a bike back under me going, I, uh, went, and, uh, I was riding, I tried to ride at least you know, three days a week, four days a week, uh, at underground up there, uh, Quicks Motor Ranch. Yeah. Uh, just getting some time, getting comfortable with, with Supercross, just, you know, easing myself into things. And then, uh, I, I, uh, luckily enough, uh, was fortunate to have the opportunity to, to race the 450 on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and honestly, I I knew I knew my situation was not you know having much Supercross experience. I just wanted to go racing. You know, I love racing if, even if it's outdoor, indoor, whatever. On a race dirt bike, so uh, uh, I had the opportunity. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go race four for you on the list. Let's go. You know, A one. That's and, awesome. Uh, that's love kinda, it. Yeah, yeah, that's how it started. Uh, I really have just been building. Uh, 
throughout those West Coast rounds. The first one was really, uh, it was a tough one for me. And then after that, I, I am just lucky, lucky enough to have stayed, stayed pretty healthy throughout the West Coast 450. And then once we came back east to Tampa, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been really good. Yeah. Like, I, I guess things have just been falling kind of into my favor uh, a certain bit. Yeah, you've you know, had some lucky I, moments. I have, yeah, for sure. But I have put myself, I feel like, into those positions. and. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. So I know I, I got to follow for the last few years a lot of the amateur stuff, and you had a quiet amateur career, like some ups and downs and stuff like that. And like he said, I don't – I don't think a lot of people like you didn't come in with like like Pierce Brown or or some of the top level kids and stuff like that. As far as like all the pressure on the big team, did do you think that that helped you stay under the radar and just kind of like do your program? Um, I I don't I don't know if it helped me doing doing it the way I have done it, but uh. Just because I haven't had a you know a lot of you know money and effort for you know for, for, to have the equipment you need to ride every single day. Fair enough. And, you know, yeah. Prepare, prepare enough for everything. I've just kind of I've gotten better throughout since I was young. I was never the most talented rider. I'd say I just kind of kept at it. You know, as much as I could do because I I I just had this you know feeling when I was young. I just loved to you know ride and. And then you know the racing thing, it's uh, it's it's fun in its own way, and I, I've I've developed like a, a passion for it throughout, you know, the whole time I've been racing since I was you know five years old. So, uh, just building and it, it's it's taken me a long time, even throughout my amateur career, I was never really the best or nothing like that. Right. And uh, I just kind of noticed once I got a little older that I I matured different than you know all the young, the young talented guys, I'd say, you know, and that kind of, that kind of made me want to just keep at it and see, you know, how far I can get, even though I know I'm not the most talented rider out there, you know. Well, I deal with that with, I mean, out there at Quicks Moto Ranch, my son is out there, Doc, and he's kind of in the same boat, and I've talked to him about you, and I'm like, look what this kid's doing, he's, he's worked hard, and he's outlasting a lot of those kids that are just flat, that they're fast, but then they they don't understand what it's like to work hard and earn it. And when things get tough, they quit. And he's seeing that with a lot of other riders. And and in a way, riders like you and even Zane and stuff like that and Van Martin. Yeah, y'all's team, in a way, is like a... Is like Underdog. A, it is is like a inspiration to yeah. fathers like me where you see if the kid can work hard and do good, then um, they do have a future. And, and it's not like you don't have to be like on a team green ride your whole career. Yeah, you, you definitely don't. There's a, even if you're not the, you know, you're on, you're not on the team green, you know, ride Geico, <laughs> right. factory connection ride, you know, there's still uh, another place for us guys, you know, that love racing and have been doing it. You know, there's definitely a place for us. And, uh, even if we don't make it to be, you know, the top guy ever, I, I can, Say, like I put you know put a lot into it and had a lot of great you know moments and times with my family and friends so yeah that's kind of what I'm after I 
Well, you keep going the way you're going, and you're going to move up. You're going to wind up being one of the people that gets looked at for the fill-in rides and those kind of things. Keep making main events. That's right. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely the. That's I think that's all of our our goals as yeah. racers to to get something like that. And uh, if that happens, that'd be you know that'd be awesome. But uh, if not, I mean I'm gonna keep doing my best with what I got. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Well, talk about your team a little bit, Team All South. I mean, you're getting the travel and and pit uh, with some of your closest friends that you got. You're already buddies, right, with Van Martin and um, you got Zane, obviously, and. Uh, um, Kyle, Kyle Swanson's part of that team. Unfortunately, Van's hurt right now. But, I mean, it's got to make it even sweeter to have those guys supporting you and on the road with you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the whole team, uh, we're, we're pretty close, like all the riders. Uh, it's right. me. Uh, Van was the original guy for, you know, on Team All South. And uh, yeah, Kyle Swanson second and then uh, a few other guys and all that. But yeah, Lane Shaw was part of know, it. Yeah, all all that. There there was a, some other riders as well, but uh, this year it's uh, it's changed up a little bit with uh, uh, Dado passing away, the the owner last year, and all that stuffs happening. But uh, this year it's been it's been really cool, you know. Like every every uh, every weekend at the races, you know. These past few since they've been closer to you know Texas, we've kind of had everyone there, so it's been super awesome. But even before that, when Van was racing, it was cool because uh, we got to. He kind of has more experience than me. He showed me a lot of a lot of good things, you know. And as well as Nick Schmidt, he's on the team this year as yes. well. And, uh, yes, I didn't really know him too much before Anaheim one. That's the first time I met him. So. We've actually gotten really close as well, and oh, uh, I can kind of—he's uh, kind of like a, a older brother, I guess. Even though we're racing each other out there, <laughs> yeah, as right. Well. That's good. And uh, yeah, we all drive really well. It's kind of like when we all, you know, get there on the weekend or however they usually fly in and all that. We all have a good time, and it's all—it's all you know. We all love to race. That's why we're there. So right, it's yeah, all absolutely. Times and. The day before, we're all, if someone needs help, we're helping each other, you know, get stuff ready and all that stuff. So it's kind of like a, we're, we're really close over there. Cool. Um, talk about, okay, so Tampa was your first 250 race this year, correct? Yes, yeah. sir. All right, and that was the race where you were leading the LCQ um, with Jimmy D all over your butt for a while. Um, what What was that like? I mean... Because, look, man, LCQ, really all you want to do is finish top four and get in. But you had to have run through your mind like, hey, I could win this LCQ. I mean, that's a big deal too. Uh, but then you have Jimmy Dakotas, who's, you know, a, a relatively big name in the sport. Um, what was going through your mind during that LCQ? Uh, well, let me – I'll just say, sitting on the gate, I was – uh, I was, you know, nervous. I was EQ they get they get a little crazy, you know. Yeah. So I was just thinking like let me let me visualize what I want to happen right here. That's definitely <laughs> get the whole shot and try to get a gap so I can kinda have a cooking, you know. And I know we're all really close in time. Uh, you know, pretty much twenty to twenty to forty. We're not very far off in times as well. So I was like anything can happen. That's kinda what I I've been trying to go through, uh you know, go through 
key races and LCQs with that mindset of anything can happen. I'm going to do my best to try to try to just stay up and get to the finish line as fast as I can, you know. But uh, so uh, getting a, getting that great start was definitely a key factor, and and uh, even being up there. And once I was leading for a while, I was just kind of trying to get into my own pace. And uh, I know my pace once I get going is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I see Jimmy D right there. He he goes fast. I definitely know. He, I think he's podium races and all that in the past. So I knew he was gonna be great once I saw him. He was in second. So after a bit, we were battling a little bit. I think uh, he might have been injured at the time. But uh, I was racing him. I I just felt pretty good at that time. So I was just gonna you know race him clean, not try to do anything too crazy. You know, top four is really what I needed yeah. to make my first nine. So. I had that kind of in my mind. I had a few sketchy moments, but uh, ended up working out. I kind of, uh, after he got by me, I kind of tried to follow his lines because he was going a little bit faster than me. So after that, stick with him a little bit and finish second. So, well, man, I'm a, uh, I'm proud of you, dude. I think it's really awesome what you've done this year, and I, I hope that your streak continues to get in those mains, man. It makes making a little extra money probably, and. Uh, learning every weekend and just getting better, man. It's it's really really great seeing it happen, Curran. Uh, thank you, Darcy. I appreciate it. I've been, uh, you know, I'm, I've been really grateful for these past few weekends and how they've been going. And hopefully, yeah, I can keep it going. I'm gonna keep trying to just put myself out there, put myself in you know the best situations I can, and you know, hopefully, it even gets better in the main event as well. That's what I'm striving Absolutely. For, so. That's that's the that's a great attitude to have, and um. I think uh, the next race I'll be at uh, Denver, so I'll I'll see you up there, dude. All right, yeah, I'll be I'll be in Denver, and hopefully, uh, I'm planning on uh, trying to do the West Coast on the 450 back okay. as well. So sweet. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely get some of those as well. All right, Curran. Well, man, it's really really great talking to you tonight, and uh, we'll we'll see you at Denver. Yes, sir. Good. Good talking to you guys, too. Hopefully, you'll have a good rest of y'all's show. Will do, man. Thank you, bud. Thank you. I appreciate y'all having me on. Anytime. See ya. All right, bye. All right. So, yeah, TJ, it's, uh, you know, for for a guy to come in to his first rookie season, you know, as a true privateer, I mean, really, I mean, they're not out of a pickup. Right, but but they're close. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically, I mean... uh, you don't get much more privateer than what Team All South is. Right. Uh, they have a small budget. I don't know what the rider, if they're getting any money. I have no idea. But they're certainly not on great equipment. They're just on what whatever they have. Yeah. Pretty impressive, though. He's making – and, like, Dallas was lucky. I, I don't know what was shown on TV. He was sixth, I believe, and fourth and fifth crashed into each other. Right. And he jumped over them on, like, the last lap. I so, mean, I, would, I will say that – Curran, like we play, we all play fantasy. I know a lot of the amateur kids coming up, and when he first, when you first see him on the two fifty, he like, oh yeah, okay, he made the night show, good job because I expected that, but did not expect him to be as good as he has been. Like he's pretty consistent, really, like really Making consistent, night show and made one for sure through through the heat race, maybe two. I don't remember. No, I think I think Dal- yeah. Daytona he had to go through the LCQ, but. but but still, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, he was a fast amateur rider. He was yes. one of the like the the guys that was up there. But I just don't think anybody expected to see what we see out of him, and which has been a really good thing. He's been he's been really fast, and 
he's beating a lot of the kids and or I guess they're kids. I guess I'm old or whatever. But a yeah, lot of the old. writers that um, I wasn't expecting him to be. I, mean, I know it's not easy, but so easily up there. Yeah, and yeah, you you are definitely old, unlike myself, right, Marley? Mm-hmm. You're older than me. I'm young, aren't I, Marley? No. How old am I, Marley? Forty-four. Lies. Yeah. Thirty-four. You're forty-four years old, I'm bro. Thirty-four, Marley. Why are you looking at me like that? So you anyways. know that her mom. We're still recording. But that's fine. Her mom said that they Amber said that they watched this sometimes. And that yeah. I tell lies on here. Have I ever said that I have a training program? Like I'm in a training program working out. She swears that I've said that. You may have said it in a, like a joking manner. I, I probably have said I need to work out, but she's like, "Yeah, whatever." You're, you're, you. So I'm, I'm calling. Yeah, what do you think, Marley? Marley swears it too. Get, but even she'll, Garrett she'll agree Rock- with anything that Amber says. Garrett Rockley says that Marley's obviously telling the truth because kids don't lie. This is Garrett. You don't know this kid. She's terrible. She's the worst kid you've ever met. You got mad at me because I ate one of your okay, Oreos. Okay, yeah. Let's get into this. For just a moment, you know, okay. this is non-moto. I'm sure I've said on here how I am at my snacks, especially my special snacks. My special snacks include the white fudge covered Oreos that only come out right before Christmas for like two months. And I buy 20 or 30 boxes of them and try to make them last through the year. I'm down to, so not, next September-ish is when they come out again. Okay. I'm down to two and a half boxes. Okay. The kids are not allowed to eat these snacks. I come around the corner in the kitchen and Marley has one in her mouth and she's she I know people can't well maybe they can't see me but she pretty much freezes dead silent dead air there but I and I'm like what are you doing and I'm really trying to not be legitimately mad you're like legitimately mad because somebody I wasn't mad, was eating but I was not happy one of the 500 That's what she cookies said, it's you just make. one I'm like the way they I basically can get one a week, and that might get me till September. But now that's she took a week away from me of happiness, a whole week. You could just buy some Oreos and put white chocolate. I on. have done that. It's not as good. When I run out of these, I'll probably make my own. But they're not very good. They're, Oreo has this snack to perfection, and Marley ruined an entire week of my life. What do you have to say for yourself, Marley? And get up on the mic. You could just eat two a month. If I eat two, no, I want one a week, Marley. You took that away from me. Get a job and buy your own snacks. You have other snacks. We will take this straight to commercial break. So nobody's interested in this topic? I'm I'm not. All right, Marley, you're grounded. All right, we'll be right back with Hunter Lawrence. Hey, Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses shock socks. The original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why All Sport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. All Sport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. 
They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try all sport dynamic wrist braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickle wear in their pro careers. Check them out, All Sports Dynamic Braces. Powerband Racing is a suspension company dedicated to providing best service and products. They are committed to developing new products and improve your ride. They want your suspension to be the best it can be. They're based out of Minneapolis, and they're a WP Authorized Service Center and trusted by Ryan Sipes. Many bikes to big bikes, they cover them all. Powerband Racing has your suspension covered. Contact them at 320-983-3400 and follow them on Facebook or Instagram. All right, just let everybody know, we have had some technical difficulties throughout the show, but at the end of the Hunter Lawrence episode or segment, my the computer froze, our software froze, and we lost the entire interview. Thankfully, because of the YouTube Live deal, we're going to pull the audio from that. Um, it may sound a little different. I'm not, really, not really sure. Uh, there were some beeps where my phone was being stupid that I would normally edit out. I won't be able to edit that out. So just uh, if the sound quality is not fantastic, we apologize. Um, but anyway, so hang tight for the Hunter Lawrence interview. So I saved the day again. Sure. But anyway, hang tight. Hopefully this works. We'll let you know. If you need power, then you need Williams Moto Works. If you want a complete power package from cams, porting, transmission to ECU, then contact. All right. Well, Peter, uh, Peter is a super fan. Obviously, he's got some questions for you that I'm going to ask later. But uh, right now, man, I just want to know how the recovery is coming. How are you feeling? Good, bud. I remember that uh, interview. We were waiting for the new schedule to race at Millville. Yeah, after the storm. That's right. Yep. But, uh, but no, yeah, I'm good, mate. <clears throat> um, just riding uh, four days a week, basically, and and really just uh, that's uh, a big thing. And we're just riding and building and progressing with bike fitness, bike setup. So we had a you know new engine guy and new management. So no, things are going good, mate. Things are going good. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that bike, and you know we've talked to Chase and uh, you know some of your teammates, and um, seems to be a lot better. Does that help give you more confidence going into nationals this year to know that the bike's quite a bit better? For sure, for sure. It was it was a pretty big bummer in all fairness to, to figure out in the end what we were racing on. You know, like our engine, we have. Like, 
the guys racing have obviously gotten really good starts. That's promising. We haven't had outdoors with the Ebbies Coast. So who's this jet? Guy? Who's this jet guy? I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's the worst guy ever. He's so annoying, <laughs> and I whack him in the face the moment, the moment I get. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, I interrupted you. But, I'm sorry. No, you're right. So uh, I'm hopefully getting that engine spec very shortly, and and I'll be able to yeah give feedback on it and stuff. But from so far, the feedback I've gotten from my brother and and uh, yeah, just you see, you know, you see the races like in the West Coast. Jack and Christian were up there on all of the starts, and then staying in in the East Coast here, seeing and reassuring, you know. Yeah, I think just listening to Chase and Christian and those guys, I think you guys have something, you know. We'll be a lot more competitive this year. So it's kind of almost time for that change. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys can do. And, um, you know, I don't know what Jets, uh, that this Jet Kids time frame is going to be, but I hope to see both the Lawrence brothers out there, you know, going after each other and the, the rest of the field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, we can't wait as well. It's obviously a bummer. I really wanted to race Supercross. I really like it. Just, Things didn't work out, and, yeah. and now it's obviously hard to to have you know a five month of no riding. Sort of that's what you're coming off of, you know. Sure, we can train. As your coward, one of the questions he asked: w- Would you consider? Or were you thinking about trying to do any supercrosses just to you know build some confidence before going into the nationals? But to me, on the outside, that doesn't seem like the smartest move. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I. It was honestly all depending on how fast I could mend my shoulder, you know. Like, if I could mend my shoulder, that I was able to be back on the black <clears throat> a week or two before Tampa, yeah. we would have been looking to come back at Daytona or maybe even around before that, you know. Um, that would have been in question, but obviously it didn't go that way. It just wouldn't be smart for us to come back and race the last few rounds two weeks out four weeks out from Hangtown, you know, because Lord forbid anything got high expectations because they know what we achieved last year, what I achieved last year with what we achieved that with. Um, so they've got pretty high expectations come outdoors. So we want to make sure we're 100% ready and, and give us the best fighting chance, you know, and then we'll come sure. back next year, get the proper build up in the Supercross we need. Yeah. So as you, this is TJ here, spike stuff. What what does Hunter Lawrence do to kill time while you can't go ride and whatnot? Oh, I bash my head up against the wall every day, <laughs> nearly. <laughs> um, no, we do every day. There's physio, you know. Every single day, I'm doing physio, cycling, running. Um, I wasn't able to swim a lot with my shoulder, but with my knee, I was able to swim after a certain period of time, and then you know, slowly get additions out there training, doing motos. So I'd be stupid to sit there and feel sorry for myself. Like, yeah. Yeah. But that's not going to get me anywhere. You know, I need to be working my butt off as much as I can. So I'm, cause I mean, when the doc says, Hey, you're all good to go. And you go out right for the first time, everyone pretty much knows it feels good. But at the same time, that bike beats you up so bad, you know, like you feel like, Holy man I'm, I'm unfit you know so <laughs> I try to make that shock of being back riding as, as little as possible you know that's that's why I could never be like a professional athlete right there just because I just don't think I have what it takes to oh I definitely don't yeah I could I, never I do want that. my Oreos right now <laughs> we, I mean we were just talking about very blessed 
body where he's able to eat burgers, donuts, all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't really affect him yeah. or it doesn't really throw him off. So he's a very fortunate That's kid. my program right there, but I go really slow at the same time. So so I got a non-moto thing, and it may you may not know what I'm talking about at all, but do you, being from Australia, do you watch Mighty Car Mods on YouTube? Say again, mighty car vlogs. Mighty, but you don't. If you don't know that, you don't know. It's it's mighty car mods. It's a car uh, like restoration. I'm not. No, they're just. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. I watch. Uh, I watch Texas Metal. Oh, do you really? That's a really good show. So you're into cars then? Yeah, extensive is badass. We, me and Dad, love love that show. He's those do the gnarly. The yeah. stuff they do with their cars is absolutely mind blowing. Well, you need no, to... we, we watch all the American ones. We haven't. <laughs> we don't really watch any Australian shows. Yeah. Like, just because for one, I, I'm not a massive TV guy. Yeah. And two, it's just like on the channels wherever. Like I said, I don't watch TV enough to get channels, so it's just whatever's on TV. That's awesome. Hey, so coming from Australia, you know, obviously Chad Reed, um, one of the maybe probably the single greatest writer from, ever from Australia, um. But yeah. was was he one of your idols growing up, or were there were there American writers that were your idols? Who who were the guys you looked up to? Yeah, no, he wasn't actually. Uh, like uh, Real Cotto was my childhood sort of hero, you know. From when I was younger, I never really was that into super cops and stuff. Like as a kid, just because I just wanted to ride dirt bikes and didn't care about anything else. I was a kid. Yeah. But then when I started to really watch it. And enjoy learning and stuff like that, and, and really got a grasp. And he went pro. He was six fifteen. That was his number the last uh, junior year. I'm pretty sure amateur year at the races, and then he went pro. You know, was fifty one or something. And yeah, and yeah, dude, I absolutely loved his style. Like my riding style and his riding style are so different. Like we're complete opposites, but that was. That was my hero from 250s all the way to, yeah, till I got to an age where I, I decided I wanted to be better than Toto. You know, you get to that age, but your, your hero becomes like motivation, like I want to beat him. But no, that, that's who my guy was. Yeah, that's cool, man. RV, yeah. have you had a chance to uh, meet RV and visit with him any? It's been pretty cool. to a little bit surreal, you know, that your childhood hero is now someone that, you know, He's in my contact book on the phone, and and we talk crap to each other. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, from from where I first ever thought of the guy. So. Right. Yeah. RV's really good at the talking crap thing. Yeah, he's. The more and more I get to know him, the more and more I I figure that out. Even though <laughs> they talk more of uh, talking and and smack talk. It's pretty funny. Pretty comical. Yeah. Hey, so I want you. You made a post recently. Uh, hey, okay, that that made me a little mad. Just so you know, because I could never do that, and I don't really think it's fair. I don't like it when guys slow wheelie because I can't figure it out. <laughs> if you if you ever want, I mean, honestly, it's a funny story of how that ever started. Um, we started it on six fives, just practicing, like literally. Just you dump the quad a foot and a half high, yeah, and then tap the rear brake, bring it down, and do that twenty times, and then gradually, bit by bit, you just 
Does it work out? I'm gonna I'm gonna, go I'm gonna send you the rear fender bill. <laughs> hey, I've done it since I was maybe twelve years old, eleven years old. I started maybe ten. Right. I've never snapped a rear guard because, like I said, if you if you do the building up process, yeah, theoretically, you should be able to scrape your rear guard without snapping it. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't loop out if you do um folded the plastic on the rear tip up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scraping it and stuff, you know, like that's pretty cool. That gets you street cred. I would say so, but you used a key word a little while ago when discussing this and you said it teaches you the skills, which right there puts me and TJ out of the whole thing. We have no skills whatsoever. Uh I mean we yeah, we could barely ride. Yeah, if, if you'd have seen us riding this last Saturday. weekend, Saturday, you would have been like, yeah, maybe y'all guys shouldn't try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, I'm literally I am so. literally coming back from t- the dumbest crash you've ever seen where I fractured four ribs and punctured a lung. Uh, on Damon Bradshaw's bike, just in case that you didn't know. wasn't necessary. So was like, you know who Damon Bradshaw is, right? I do, I do. Yeah, so and, and we were at a ride day for Fly, which we were sponsored by Fly, so we were out there doing that. And and he ran up to yeah. Damon Bradshaw with these big, big eyes going, Damon, can I ride your bike? You know, and Damon's a nice guy. He didn't want to, like, tell him no. So he was like, yeah, go ahead. And then he goes out there and crashes it so bad, Yamaha didn't want it back. So, oh, so <laughs> you get to keep Damon Bradshaw's bike? No, he had to pay to fix Hunter, it. It's a TJ. On yourself, uh, you did a number on yourself and the bike. I did. Bike, it. Dragging it in there. Jeez. It, it was embarrassing. But uh, hey, all right. So I got an X, X Games gold medalist. Corey Creed was racing bikes, big bikes. Really? That's what he says. No, I I did not. Honestly, dude, like when I was a kid, <clears throat> and we'd come to the local races or whatever, like. The only race that mattered for me, the only big race that was there was the race I was in. That was the yeah. main show of my head. <laughs> As a kid, right. mom and dad bringing you to race. They got your fresh gear kit for the year. You've got two sets of gear for the year. Like, that's your race kit. You know, yeah. Maybe a fresh sticker kit. Like, we had Chevrolet trucks um, sticker kit on our, on our bike. So, dad, obviously being a car guy, you know, we had the Chevrolet bow tie on the, on the fenders and the plastics and then paramount solid plastering which was my dad's business we had that out there i figured over there instead of being a chevrolet it would be a holden sticker on the side of it no my dad <laughs> well so in australia the chevrolet sort of you know we have like you guys have ss's here yes SS, yeah, right yeah, that's yeah. like the, you see millions of them just like a mustang right right so in australia it's the holden ss yeah, yeah. The Holden and, is super sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Side's yeah, looking at me yeah. like he has no clue. What I have no idea is. what a Holden is. I'm going to look it up after we're done talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look it up. Okay. It's a Ford Falcon and a Holden Commodore. All right. That's the. That's like your Ford Mustang and all your right. Camaro SS. And, and over so there, super sports. They like they have a Chevrolet engine in them, or you could get one that did. You know, not all of them did. Yeah, most of them had the better. Everyone back there. Back there they would always debatch the Holden thing and put a Chevrolet patch on. Ah. And, and you know, it's funny. So this... there was dudes... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So there was dudes driving around in like a V6 Commodore <laughs> Holden 
and it's probably full like we know it's in coffee there was a guy with some chevy like malibu or something but it, he had rebadged it with all the holden badges on it oh. but the guy didn't spend, oh, yeah. he didn't spend the money to change the badges that were on the seat so it still had the chevy badge <laughs> on the seats it was funny uh, I, I thought that was funny all right, Hunter, I got one more question from Peter for you. Um, do you think Echo Valley in, I hope I say this right, Toowoomba is GP worthy? Yeah, is it GP worthy? No. Okay. So here's why, okay? So here's why I'm going to say no. As much as it is a, a cool track and was one of the tracks we loved driving at, it's not, it's not wide enough and the track facilities could not facilitate for because it would be an overseas GP, right? So they would have to send crates. Yeah. So all of those crates would have to be on trucks, and then you'd have to put a massive marquee of something similar to, I'm guessing, Argentina, how they have all those marquee tents for all the crates and teams to pit out of because there is no building or as such for all the teams to pit out of, you know? So then I would go... Do they have the right equipment to prep and track and get that facility ready? The town, it's, it's two hours um, away from Brisbane Airport, if I'm right. So then a two-hour drive for anyone traveling to that event. And I just don't think they'd sell the numbers, you know, and the Australian government wouldn't, wouldn't fund the world championship round to be there it wouldn't make sense to them they'd say well, why are you bringing it to Columbia in the middle of nowhere why not bring it closer to the city the city benefits from it yeah. hotel food etc etc the economy um, you know gets a reward from it as well so that's my sort of verdict on it but then again you know they had the GP in Broadford back in the day right that's also in the middle of nowhere, you know, so um, that just goes against that theory. But if I look at most of the the trends from all the GPs, a lot of them think Toowoomba uh, Motocross Club could afford to pay a motor uh, yeah, GP round sense. themselves, you know. Okay. So and I just don't think it's just justifiable to have, hey, we need this Grand Prix here in Toowoomba. It just, it just doesn't make sense in my mind, you know. I know who Olivia Newton-John is. I've heard of the name. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Who is that? Is he a singer? He's, he's an actor. An actor. An he's actor. like Lethal Weapon. And uh, yeah, he, he's really... And he was the one that... The 80s and 90s. With the, with, that did the... Oh, Mad Max. Mad Max. No. Yeah. That he was like Mad I'd Max. i Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. I'd say Steve Irwin. Hands down. I'm a huge animal guy myself. That guy was one of the best living human beings on the planet. He was uh, known worldwide. He, so we lived, funny enough, like my dad's parents, my, so my nan and pop knew these nan and pop, Bob, Bob Owen, okay. dad. So, and we lived right around the corner from, probably like in my mind, he has to be one of the, the best represent, representatives of Australia. As, as a human being or a person, I mean, I don't know. Find someone, prove me wrong. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. No, no, you're right. That's Dagger a good answer. He's a better guy like he was so for, yeah, just and, the world, the animals and the humans and just yeah, better yeah. food. I believe his son is trying to take up the mantle there doing that. 
dude, he's got big boots to fill. It, it's <laughs> tough. Like Steve Irwin was the first kind of, he was the first Matt Wright, Matt Wright with a W-R. And he's up in the Northern Territory and he does a lot of stuff with them big crocs as well. And he's pretty, pretty cool. Like I enjoy following him. But it's just tough, you know, because Steve Irwin will always be remembered as, a good answer for how um all right hunter we're about to let you go last question um you know come, nationals are coming up you're going to be battling your brother how how do you beat your brother every weekend or does he get you at least once um it'll be interesting it'll be very interesting you know obviously he's we're training partners so during the week it's always going to be very very similar with speed we have the same trainer I mean, I'd love to trash him and stuff. Sure, I'd love to trash him, but when you're arguing with an idiot from the outside, no one can tell who the idiot is. So you got to... Yeah. But you just got to be level-headed, you know. AC didn't win every single weekend last year, you know. There's right. going to be some weekends where you don't get a good start, you have a crash, you have a, a fourth and a fifth or whatever it may be, you know. We just got to keep working, limit that, and... Hopefully, kick little bro's butt. There you go. Long. There you go. Well, Hunter, man, <laughs> I really appreciate you giving us uh, thirty minutes of your time tonight. It's been an honor talking to you, and I, I look forward to seeing you back out on the track soon. No, I appreciate it, but it's actually much for having me on. Awesome to talk to you, man. Some cool questions, but yeah, hopefully we can get out there and get amongst it. Maybe guys, something good to watch. Absolutely, man. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you at one of the races coming up soon. Sounds good. Take care until then. Okay, see you, Hunter. Hey, bud. Bye. All right. Hunter just, him and his brother, they're awesome. Yeah, good good interviews. Yeah. Um, I hope, you know, that went 30 minutes. That was a little bit longer of an interview for us. But I hope, you know, when we got off topic a few times, but I think it was fun. So hopefully everybody likes it. Right. All right, last commercial break. We'll be back with Carter Halpane. Okay, uh, hopefully that worked. <laughs> we're, we're recording this before we add in the Hunter Lawrence stuff. Uh, it's super confusing. I'm super stressed out. Nothing new there. But we're going to wrap this thing up. DJ TJ, how'd the show go other than all the technical issues? I, and Carter Halpain's getting rescheduled for next week, by the way, because yes. of all this. And he's Sorry, gonna, Carter. He's going to do great next week, and yeah. everybody's going to want him, but we already got him locked in. Absolutely. So, right, right. Um, anyway, good. We had fun, and it's always... YouTube was a, also a technical difficulty at the beginning. At the beginning, but I, we got that going, and it looks like there's a, a good chance that if y'all heard the... Um, interview with hunter which you will be playing yeah hopefully that already played like i said during that other part i did save the day again so i'm glad i was here if you say so uh i want to remind you guys about the aaron smith ride day march 29th at oak hill uh lots of good stuff that we're gonna be auctioning off if you cannot make it please go uh paypal at aaron 253 smith i don't think that's right uh yes aaron 253 smith at gmail on PayPal and donate if you can help the guy out. He's in line for a kidney transplant and uh, really one of our good friends and we want to help him out. Thank to Thanks to all our sponsors again, Williams Motor Works, our Cherubies, X-Brand Goggles, Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors, Torque One Racing, Shock Socks, All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, and Marley, thanks for sitting in the studio even though you probably were pretty bored. No, I wasn't really that bored. Not that bored? I enjoyed making fun of you. Yeah, you should have done that more because it's pretty funny. Well, I'm glad that you were in here. It was fun having you in. 
Uh, to the people that watched on YouTube, thank you. And to the people that actually stuck through this show, it was a bit of a uh, crap show, but hopefully it all came out in the end in the archives. But we'll be back next week with uh, at least Carter Halpain. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you guys next week.